Welcome to Mobber Radio in Episode 5, your source for all things bike racing in America's bike racing capital. Today we talk with Adam Mills from Source Endurance, a performance cycling coaching company out of San Diego, but also Mobber's powered by sponsor for this year's Road Cup. It's April here in Mabra. It's April everywhere in the country. But it's that time of the year when you start thinking about what do you want to do this year as your focus events? Where do you want to peak this year? Adam was kind enough to share with us his philosophy and theories on how he helps guide his athletes to figuring out what is the best event for them to focus on. Hello, Adam Mills. Welcome to Mabra Radio. Uh, We're here to talk about coaching. And you are the guru, preeminent maestro of coaching for Source Endurance. Isn't that true? Uh, I am a guru and maestro of coaching for Source Endurance. I would say that, yes. Okay, so what is, what is Source Endurance? What, what is this company all about? So Source Endurance is a coaching and consulting company that works primarily with uh, endurance-based athletes. So cycling, running, rowing, uh, et cetera, and swimming as well. So we get the whole multi-sport group in there. Uh, And we have six coaches now all over the country. Um, Everyone has, you know, your legitimate education in exercise physiology to the point that I would call us all exercise physiologists. Uh, And we, uh, we help people work towards their performance and and goals performance and and fun goals just to have a good life experiences and to race fast and have a good time and you were talking about education obviously being a coach a cycling coach an endurance athlete coach requires more than just knowing how to ride a bike what is your educational background that makes you such a good coach. So I have a master's degree in clinical exercise science from the University of Kansas. Uh, Along with that, I have a long history in the sport of of racing at a high level. Uh, I would never say I was at the highest level, smarter than that. Um, Between the two, you know, there's there's a lot of knowledge there and, and everyone in the in the program in our business and our company has, has similar uh, education credentials and similar experience. So the University of Kansas, obviously there's a connection for you and I stemming from being at KU together. We were teammates back in 2001, 2002, but I don't think most people understand that Lawrence, Kansas, where the University of Kansas is, it's not the birthplace of, but it's definitely the incubator of so many incredible bike racers. And I'm going to name drop a ton right now. So, you know, obviously you've got Joseph Smalls, formerly of Hincapie Racing, one of the best road racers and now one of the best gravel racers in the country. You've got Brian Jensen, um, grew up in Denmark, came over to Kansas to run track ended up racing on Jelly Belly. You've got somebody like Catherine Welberg, who's 
even now in the Masters women's rank, still doing incredible things. Uh, Bill Stolte, who's been around the sport forever. Um, we could never forget Jed Schneider, Jittery Joe's racing, and um, spent some time in Belgium doing the Belgian circuit. But I think we'd all be remiss if we didn't say something first and foremost about the man who was pretty much the father of this entire incubator, Steve Tilford. Uh, Steve's a friend of yours. He was a friend of yours, correct? Oh, yeah. I've known Steve. <clears throat> I think I met Steve when I was in middle school. Uh, when I, I grew up in Topeka, Kansas, which is Steve's hometown. Um, and uh, uh, so I've known him since then. Um, it's kind of an enigma to me until we were on the same team starting in 2002. We raced on the same team for, I think, seven years after that. So I've known, I've known Steve for a while. I've done, heard a lot of Steve's stories. Uh, back before we had a blog, uh, he, we heard all those. A lot of those stories are, are secondhand to us who have ridden in the van with him <laughs> all over the country. But yeah, Steve taught a lot of people how to race bikes and then he started a blog and then he taught a lot more people how to race bikes and how to have fun. Um, and and Steve, tragically, Steve passed away a little while ago. He was involved in a, a car accident. It was a, really something that hit all of us uh, who knew him. I, I had the fortune of riding with him for about a year uh, as a Cat 4 and a Cat 5 he taught me more about bike racing in that year than I think I learned in, in years after that. But, um, you know, you were very close to him and you recently did something, uh, to commemorate his, his passing. What was that? So when I was in college, <clears throat> you always get those nice days in the winter the freak 65 degree day when it's been in the thirties, forties for a while. And, and I would usually call Steve and want to meet him on a long ride. And he would always let me talk myself into playing hooky from class or work or whatever I was supposed to do that day. And, uh, on his blog, I think he mentions hooky ride a couple times. Um, and so I just had this idea of like playing hooky and just going on a bike ride all day. And I, I live in San Diego now. Uh, Steve loves San Diego. He was out here a lot in the winter. Um, so last year I did one by myself. And this year it was uh, myself and Jed Schneider did one. Jed came in from Portland and we had a couple days of hanging out. And uh, hopefully next year we get a couple more. Um, don't want to be big by any means. Just want it to be for the right reasons. Well, I definitely think Shad should be a part of this. Shad. Shad is another one of your uh, staples from the Kansas City, Topeka area. Uh, Shad Smith, um, definitely a solid cyclocross racer, even now, and as a Masters. Um, always a threat for a podium and a cross race for Nationals. And uh, Shad was also the cover of Men's Health one month and ended up on Good Morning America or... The Today Show or something? Something like that. I still have the magazine, and I, I still, to this day, it's it's like 10 years after the fact, and I need to have Shad sign it for me. So um, hopefully he's hearing this and will remember the next time he's here. So 
you've been racing forever. Um, grew up racing in Topeka and, and then with a bunch of really great guys at the University of Kansas, you know, uh, you've risen to the rank of Cat 1, uh, which is no small accomplishment. And you've raced with Elevate and KHS and some of the really great teams. But I want to take you back to one race that you did in 2002. Mm-hmm. You're going to remember this one. It was outside of Minneapolis. It was a road race. The North Central Collegiate Conference Championship Road Race. That was the most cold I've ever been in my life. Tell us, tell us about how cold is cold. So the race was 100K, cut down to, to two-thirds of that uh, because of inclement weather. So we had, it was 36 degrees, 30-mile-an-hour winds, and raining when we started and it never got any better. And, uh, I remember I got hot coffee in my, in a bottle for a hand up. And that was probably my savior. Uh, there were three of us in the breakaway myself, uh, you Rob were there and another teammate Ben Coles made the break, <clears throat> which is like Belgian dream for, for all of us. Cause it's what we grew up watching. And one guy from, I think it was Minnesota, if I remember right. And uh, we were racing, been flatted. Rob, you and I had started one, two in the guy until one of us got away, and and that was it. And it was lucky enough, it was me. Lucky for me, it was me. <laughs> um, but then I remember when we were done, we just didn't even celebrate. We rode straight to the van where we, the van was like 100 degrees. It was so hot in there. Uh, where we like stripped off everything underneath blankets and just tried to get warm. And I'm not sure we ever succeeded until the next day. (laughs) And it snowed that night. And despite snowing that night, they still held the crit the next day. Right. Well, the roads are clear. Absolutely. In Minnesota, you can clear roads instantly. Except for the snow. (laughs) I just remember that sprint, uh, for second place. Cause you got up the road with about a mile to go and it came down to me and this other guy and we were sprinting and it was into the fierce part of the headwind. And my hands are so cold from the rain and the wind and the cold that I couldn't shift anymore. So I, I was reaching across with my right hand cause that was back before wireless or, or electronic shifting. So you actually had to push buttons and things like that. And, and yanking on my Durace or Altegra shifters just to try to get into the little ring because I figured that I could sprint in that. And whatever gear I was in, that was the gear I was sprinting in. And thankfully, I was able to actually beat that guy because I think that if you had won and I had finished third, I would still be hearing about it to this day, about how I couldn't seal the deal with just one person. Maybe. <laughs> I won't comment either way on that. So let's go back to Source Endurance. Who are who are Source's clients? So uh, the majority of our clients now uh, are 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 middle aged people uh, that race occasionally, do events fairly frequently train about six to 10 hours a week or have that ability 
they, they, most of them have full-time jobs, but mostly they just want to know whatever their goals are, whatever they want to do, they're going to be fit enough to do it, to have a good time doing it. And then if it's a race like Belgian waffle ride or Derby Kansas, they're going to be not wasted when it's over and they'll be able to enjoy a, a beverage or a burrito when it's done without being totally shot. So that's most of them. So Belgian waffle ride. Um, we all know that you live in San Diego now. Uh, I know that you've been suffering through the last couple of winters. I, I follow you on Instagram at the Adam Mills. Um, so I know how hard it's been over the last couple of years when we've been digging out snow here and you've occasionally had a rainstorm. Yeah, can uh, you believe that I had to find my arm warmers this year? It's truly tragic. Tragic. So what's the Belgian waffle ride? And after you answer that, what is the Belgian waffle ride survival camp? <clears throat> so the Belgian waffle ride is an invention of a uh, diabolical man named Michael Marx who decided let's do something crazy. This is, uh, I believe it's year nine now. So in 2010, uh, let's do something crazy and let's have 130 ish mile epic day with 40 miles of dirt and a hundred miles of pavement. And it's going to be crazy and stupid at the same time and a whole lot of fun. And the whole thing's based around this like party and celebration of cycling and of doing crazy stuff. Nine years ago, that was new. Now it's, it's a lot of events are out there struggling and fighting for people's attention to be an event like Belgian Waffle Ride, to be an event like Dirty Kansas, who's I think they're on year 14 or 13 now. And I remember the guys at Dirty Kansas because Rob, when you and I were there is about when it started. And we all thought they were crazy. And now there's thousands of crazy people that try and do it every year. And the Belgian Waffle Ride is from the same mold, but but much different in that there's 100 miles of pavement with 10,000 feet of climbing, and it's a whole lot of fun. And I would say everybody should come out and do it. Uh, the Belgian Waffle Ride Survival Camp <laughs> is a preparation camp that Source Endurance runs typically in January because January in San Diego is beautiful. January in Minneapolis is not. And so we get some people from there. We got some from England. Um, they're from all over that come. Uh, it, it fills pretty quick now. We only have about 25 people we allow in. And over the course of three days, we do the, the entire route from the Belgian Waffle Ride. And, and it's laid back. It's a slower pace. It allows you to notice things like, oh, there's a waterfall here, which you never see if you're on, on main event day because you're too busy trying to make it. Whereas in the survival camp, we're, we're working through what equipment's best for you, what tires are best for you. We had IRC tires on board this year um, that supply tires to all the campers. Um, it was, it's just generally speaking, it's a fantastic event and, and a great weekend for everybody. Um, it's well done. It's one of my favorite things I do all year. But, but this year you started something new with uh, Justin and Corey and the Legion of LA. Uh, you started a, a Criterium camp in LA this year. 
So the right and the the Criterion Camp is based on this this notion. So a couple of the coaches and I over one of our like weekly meetings we have, uh, we're talking about film study and why is film study not a thing in cycling, especially now. Like Corey Williams and Justin Williams and I, I think a couple others on on the Legion team and a bunch of riders in general have GoPros on their helmets or on their bicycles. So we have all this ability for footage. Uh, why are we watching it? Why are we learning from it? Um, something like Tulsa Tough is broadcast with great camera coverage on the entire course. Why are we watching these films after the fact or, or, or even before the fact and studying what works and what doesn't? How did your team get ahead of the eight ball in this scenario or where were you behind there? And why are we watching it and talking about it? Um, Cycling, to my knowledge, is one of the rare professional sports where you don't watch game film as, as a practice. Uh, to give you an idea, um, a friend of mine played NFL football for a couple of years, and by, the, by lunch on Wednesday, they have watched over 20 hours of game film. Yet in cycling, I don't know anybody who's watched 20 hours of, of race footage ever. So we I, want I, I recently watched the uh, USA Crits, the first race at Sun City, the USA Crits race, uh, the women's race when I was on vacation. And uh, it was it was amazing. I mean, the coverage is great. Uh, YouTube live stream, the whole nine yards watching the women from Hoggins, Berm and Supermint, uh, Lindsay Bear, Lindsay Goldman, now one of Mabra's alums, uh, runs the team, but watching those women in the way that they controlled that field, it got me thinking about how bike races develop. And it was the first time since I've been involved in this sport for the last 20 years that I actually thought about what I'm doing in the race versus what the pros are doing, what the, the real good people are doing. Is that what you guys are teaching to, to your, to your, you know, campers? We, we do teach that we watched, uh, so on Friday night, we had a, like a slideshow and talked about some general criterion fundamentals. And then we watched about three hours of race film, um, hosted by Justin and Corey. Uh, we watched some world tour stuff. We watched some stuff from any national championships because that's all the replays are available. Uh, we watched some of Corey and Justin's helmet cam footage. Um, then a couple other things, but uh, if you have the knowledge of the sport, you can you you don't need to be present to understand what's going on, but you can still narrate it. And I think I want to say that's the future of the sport if if the sport allows the technology to develop and to happen that way. And I think the next step in the progression is to have announcers that can explain what's going on and why. And I, and I think most announcers in cycling right now do a horrible job of that. They mostly focus on sensationalizing everything that's happening. Um, whereas when you watch an NFL game, those guys are analysts or, or the women are analysts. Um, and, and they, they tell you something that you don't know from watching it. And until cycling broadcast can get to that same level where every race you learn something, if you're willing to listen, as long as you're watching it, then I, I think it'll kind of stagnate. But once 
the announcers that we have now, which, which are fantastic, uh, uh, learn how to convey that and discuss that stuff, then I think we're going to see this, hopefully in my mind, we're going to see an increase in the now a number of fans that are watching because they think the sport is cool. So obviously we've talked a little bit about Justin and Corey Williams. They're athletes that you train that you coach. Uh, but that's not the only top flight athletes that you coach. You're, you're, your uh, office is covered in jerseys from some of the best of the best in both the men's and the women's Peloton. Who are some of the notables at Source? Uh, so we work with a lot of clients um, across a number of disciplines. Uh, I can start, I'll, I'll name a few. Most of us have never heard of some of the people that, that I'll name, but some of, some of the time, some of them are actually kind of my hero. Uh, for example, um, I have a client, Lori, uh, McCarty, who just came and did the land run 100, hadn't trained a whole lot, kind of needed a, a breather. So just went out there to hang out and ended up doing the event and, and I'll just say she's way tougher than I am. Um, so she's kind of one of my idols unbeknownst to her. Uh, you know, some of the clients we work with are, uh, like a, a guy like Alex Hohen, who just finished third at Joe Martin stage race, um, did the tour of Columbia with a lot of world tour riders, a lot of tour de France contenders, best American on the last day, uh, forced the breakaway at Redlands in the criterium, you know, fantastic writer, um, still work with Joseph Schmalls, who we already discussed earlier, uh, work with a, a guy named, uh, Eric Marcotte, that is a hero to a lot of people, again, myself included. Um, the guy is is a, an analytical animal, both on and off the bike, and the way he thinks about the sport, which is pretty impressive. Uh, a number of masters athletes, um, again, Shaz Smith comes to mind, a guy like Jed Schneider, who I have the uh, – <clears throat> fortune to, to work with now. Um, some women professional cyclists like Whitney Schultz on the Superman team. Um, and then there's, there's obviously a number more. I work with both Corey and Justin Williams and, and I'm not even talking about who our other coaches work with. So, you know, in a way we have some fantastic athletes, uh, in another way we have a bunch of maybe you might consider them run of the mill athletes, but, but in a lot of ways, they're more amazing than some of the people that, that are household names um, because they have, you know, a wife and two kids and a white picket fence and they mow their own lawn, even in January and they work 40 hours a week and they still manage to get out there and get it all done. And <clears throat> the everyday person is also a hero to me. So it's April mid-April now here in, in the mid-Atlantic and the, the road cup is, is a month old. So people are starting to think about what do they want to do as far as a peak event? You know, what's the race that they want to make or the weekends that they want to make their big event? You know, when your athletes come to you and they say, you know, coach, I want to focus in 2019 or 2020 on, on this. How do you walk somebody through picking their peak events? So I guess the first question 
to ask them is why is this your peak event? If it's a peak event because the state championship, for example, but it's not really something you care about, then there's not going to be as much of an emotional buy-in. And you have to have that emotional buy-in to even have a chance of a, of an exceptional performance. So uh, your peak event in cyclocross can be the super cool local race because you like the course and, and you like the promoter and your family comes to watch. Or it could be a national championship. Whatever it is, it needs to be important to you. And that's, that's probably the most important aspect of the whole thing. Um, and then next is be reasonable with, with your goals and why it's your peak event. <clears throat> Someone like me, if I say, oh, I want to come and, and do well, in quotes, well at, at cross nationals, then I would have to have a conversation with myself. And first off being, maybe I should race more cross races to repair. And second, do I have the physical ability or capacity to, to do well in cross nationals? Um, someone who doesn't, isn't a super skinny climber probably shouldn't say he'll climb championships to their best event or their most important event, unless they just want to beat their own times. And that's totally fine. Whatever is important to them and whatever they can be realistic about their own results. Um, and then just work with your coach and go step-by-step step with where are you now? Where do you need to be to accomplish that goal? And then getting there for what we do, for, for our coaches at Source Endurance, getting there is the easy part. It's establishing the goals and realistic goals from the client. That's usually more difficult. How much is honesty between the athlete and the coach the best policy at Source Endurance? I would say it's the most important aspect in a lot of ways. Uh, if you, so if you succeed, then it's great. If, if, you set yourself up for failure, uh, then you're bummed that, well, the client's bummed or frustrated. And that all tends to be translated to the coach that fed them this, this belief that they can do well and whatever they wanted to do, all they have to do is the work. And, you know, it, as much as we all want to believe we can all be successful in whatever we want to do there, there are, there is a buy-in to being successful in any sport or any discipline. And for the most part, we know what that buy-in is and we know what you can expect to do. So during the path, let's say that Rob Kelly's goal for 2019 is to win the Marlboro Road Race Championship at Giro de Copi in early June. What are the things that I need to talk to you as a coach about in order to make sure that we're going in the right direction step by step so declare your goal and and say what you want to do instead of i want to do well in road races all year it's i want to get better at road races and i want to win this is giro de copi right yes. And I want to win Giro de Copi, period. And that declaration of I want to win it shows that you're probably more emotionally invested in that. Um, and, then, and then work through the process of deciding like, well, what physiological characteristics do you need to have 
to be able to win that race. So that's one aspect. That's the easy aspect in a lot of, in a lot of ways, because we can figure that out both, uh, directly or indirectly. We can, we can get a pretty good idea of what it's going to take and then prepare you to that point, assuming you have the ability to win. So if Rob Kelly in this example is a first year writer as cap five or, or newly inducted category four racer, maybe winning the category one championship isn't going to happen that first year. So manage that expectation. Uh, and then, and then talk about, uh, the harder parts is what decisions do you have to make along the way to have that opportunity? So an example is, does the early break usually win or does it usually crumble? And if it's a race lasting, say, longer than two and a half hours, the early move is probably going to crumble. Probably. Not always. Um, So maybe take that into account or be able to make that decision as to whether you're going to be aggressive early or not. So just that whole decision-making process is really hard to teach and really hard to to reason with some athletes. During the course of, let's say that we started this discussion in, in December. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, January, February, March, April, May, June, race day, you know, during that time period, life gets in the way, you know, uh, kids get sick, work becomes an issue, um, the roof starts leaking, and you've got to, you got to spend money, time and effort fixing the roof. How do you help your clients deal with the very real distractions that happen in everyday life? That, so that's a good question. And that's where our coaches as exercise physiologists and knowledgeable in the sport can really help a client. Um, I will tell you that every plan that people buy, every, every carefully laid plans that people make in the beginning of the year never hold up in, in the fact that that list of things you just mentioned consistently happens to everybody. So if you, if you think in November that you're going to go straight through Giro de Copi and do your, your six or seven month training plan and nothing's ever going to go wrong, you're never going to have to change it. You've already lost because I can guarantee you you're going to get sick or you're someone in your family is going to get sick or you're going to miss training rides because the dog has to go to the vet or you have to go to the doctor's office or you're going to shovel your driveway all day instead of actually doing a training ride or you're going to be so tired you just can't manage a training workout that day or it's someone's birthday or the list is going to go on for a long time but the bottom line is life always throws curveballs at you it's not like, oh, I've ever, I have this year where nothing happened. It's like, oh, I had a year where these seven things happened instead of those seven things happening. And that's part of the navigation process that, that us as coaches and, and knowledgeable coaches help every client work through. So the last couple of days, it's the last week before Giro de Copi. You know, what are you as a coach helping your athlete do? How are you mentally and physically getting him or her prepared? Well, the good news is 
if it's a week out and you're not fit enough for it already, then you're not going to get fit in a week. Um, the other bad news is that if you're not fit for it now, you're not going to get fit for it in a week. So, um, the num so the, the take home message from that is you've already done, you've either done the homework or you haven't, and it's more important to be fresh and sharp than it is to be super fit or try to get super fit in a week. Uh, this is where the taper comes in. And traditionally speaking, the longer or the, the shorter the event, the longer the taper. Um, cycling as an endurance sport is a little bit different. Every individual athlete is a little bit different. But for the most part, you look at just cutting, cutting volume and maintaining intensity. Um, that's really a generic answer, but that's really the best I can do without knowing each individual athlete. So... Source Endurance, let's talk more about you to close the show out here. You've got six coaches. You just hired a, a new coach in Kristen Arnold. Right. Uh, she has a, a unique set of skills that she brought to the organization. She's got a webinar coming out early May. You know, talk a little bit about Kristen. Talk a little bit about your coaches. So, uh, like I said, all of our coaches have you know, relevant degrees at a, at a, in higher education for, for what they do. Uh, Kristen, uh, is a fantastic coach. She does race full time. She's really a solid racer. Um, she's also a registered dietitian. So that fills a pretty big, uh, niche for us and what we want to do, um, as being a, a full service, uh, program and, and coaching business. Um, Kristen works with a number of athletes. I don't honestly don't remember, but I know she's uh, she's got a really solid client load right now. That's and it's fantastic. That's what we wanted for. Uh, the other coaches we have are we'll start with Zach Allison. Zach uh, operates the training center, Source Endurance Training Center of the Rockies out in Fort Collins. He is also a member of the Cliff Bar Cycling Team or. Cliff, Cliff Bar, I don't remember, um, cycling team, uh, which is, I think it's the nation's best criterium squad in the country, according to the USA Crit Series. They um, definitely won last year, so there's there's uh, verified proof. Right, and I believe they won a couple weeks ago or last week. They uh, did, down at sunny the Sun City. Uh, Kevin uh, Mullervy, I think is his last name, got into a four-man breakaway and took the win out of those guys. Right. And uh, so Zach is deeply involved with uh, the training center and as a coach and as a full-time athlete still. So he's solid and we're happy to have him. Uh, we have uh, Matt Hill, who lives in Seattle. Matt has worked with numerous national champions, uh, particularly in cyclocross, Seattle and the Portland area are both hotbeds for, for the knobby tires. Um, fantastic coach. Uh, another coach we have from the lacrosse area, I believe, is uh, Grant Harrison. Grant actually did his master's degree in uh, University of Kansas also. He was a couple of years behind me. Um, I didn't meet him until after we were done. <laughs> done with school. Uh, he wrote his master's thesis about, uh, the 
if I remember, I get the words right. It is the uh, success of coached versus non-coached athletes in cyclocross. Um, I don't think that's the title. I think that's just kind of the idea. I don't remember the title. Sorry, Grant. Um, and he's worked with a number of mountain bike and cyclocross athletes as well as road racers. Uh, and then we have uh, Mitchell Sides, who is in Austin. Um, he works with uh, uh, Violet Crown Cycling, um, among others. He runs the Strike Cycling Team in Austin. Uh, and those guys are doing fantastic stuff. And Mitchell's raced for a year with the Elevate Pro Cycling Team and uh, also you know, graduated with a degree in exercise physiology. So it's a pretty good, pretty good group of coaches, I think. So where's... Where's you, where's the, the goal? Where's the finish line? Five years, 10 years out for source endurance. What, what's happening in the next couple of years? Uh, so this is our 10th year that we've been that, well, that I've owned the company. Um, before that it was primarily Austin based. Uh, and then when I took it over, it's, it's kind of grown from there. Um, you know, I, I think in the five, 10 year range, I just like to keep growing and continuing to bring on more coaches. We are always on the hunt for a highly qualified, highly capable coach that, that wants to work with us. Um, and then to continue to change people's lives for the better and, and help to advance careers of cyclists, however they, however they need to do it, whether it's road racing or criteriums or gravel, cross, whatever it is, mountain bikes, fat bikes, name it. But you're going to have to build a bigger office because frankly, you're running out of space for national championship jerseys. I do actually, we have a number of them that are on the walls at the training center. Uh, and there's a lot more wall space there. Um, and, but as you said, at the rate that our, that our clients are gaining jerseys and trophies, we'll call it, we're going to run out there pretty soon too, which is pretty soon. Well, Adam Mills, Source Endurance, SourceE.net. Thank you so much for being on Marber Radio. Yeah, thanks a lot. Thanks for listening to episode five of Marber Radio. And a special thank you to Adam Mills of Source Endurance for taking the time to share with us his thoughts on peaking and also reminiscing a little bit about days gone by in Kansas. Please join us next week on episode six, where we talk with local pro Emma Bast of Levine Law Group about the joys and rigors of the USA Crit Series and being a law student at Georgetown Law School. Until then, remember to like us on Facebook and on Instagram and to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or anywhere you get your podcasts.